So I've got my, um, my three-month review is coming up in a few weeks. Any tips? Well, uh, before I get into tips, how do you feel about that? Are you apprehensive? Quietly confident? Are you really, really panicking? <laughs> I think I would be quietly confident at this point in time. But I've still got three weeks to uh, mess up. I have reviews every four weeks. And the last two I've had have gone very well. So, yeah, quietly confident at the moment. So you've got a good sense of how you're being perceived. It's good that they check in with you regularly like that. I think that's important. That happens yeah. where I am as well. We have weekly one-to-one sessions with our managers. And that's really useful because you never had the scenario where things fester and people are thinking stuff behind your back that you don't know about. Yeah, they do, um, they do one-to-ones at my company. I'm not sure how often they are. Um, but at least monthly, I think, but maybe more often than that. Once a week sounds quite a lot. Well, it means, like I said, there's not ever a chance for anything to fester. You always know what's going on. So if someone's not happy with your performance, you get the confidence of knowing that you'd have, you'd have heard about it. So not having heard about it is encouraging week to week. Um, and I guess in a remote environment, it's a bit different as well, isn't it? Yeah. That touching base is much more important. Um, when your team is spread out. Yeah, I can imagine not not having those uh, just chats when you're walking past someone's desk or yeah, water dumb. cooler moments. <laughs> you beat me to it. I was going to say water cooler moments. Yeah. Oh, we had to write. We were writing a thing for marketing today about like the experiences of working remotely, and I did. I did actually find myself writing. Our water cooler is in the cloud, and inwardly cringed. <laughs> did you throw up immediately? Yeah. <laughs> but the sentiment is is fair. I think. <laughs> Nice idea, the cl- cliched uh, way of saying it. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever said that before. I think I'm coining a new one there. It's fine. Mm-hmm. There you go. Maybe you should <laughs> of course keep not. it in. Keep okay. it in. <laughs> it was interesting to note that I do find I, I know my colleagues now probably better than times in the past where I've actually been physically located with people. Um, yeah, we do a lot of work to make sure that we kind of exist well as a team together. Yeah, I guess you're... Uh, yeah, and it, that's interesting that as a company, I guess it's as a remote company, you want to work harder to make sure that everyone's got good relationships with each other. Yeah, but to cycle back around to the the one-to-one side of things, you it, it's one of the interesting things about being completely remote, or, or mostly remote, is that you really your entire work is, is judged by results, it's judged on what you actually commit and hand in and deploy. Yeah, which in my case would be uh, nothing. So <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing deployed anyway. <laughs> yeah, but you've got um, yeah, you've got day to day interaction with people you work with. You do sort of answering technical questions. Well, I suppose actually we do that. We answer questions to each other and help each other out and pair on things every now and again. But really, yeah, you're if you were to take an afternoon off and not do anything, you you might I don't know you might get away with it, but you'd pay for it later <laughs> because people would go, "What were you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's a classic thing that people worry about when they're thinking about, particularly bosses worry about when they consider their employees going remote, is that idea of, um, I don't know, oversight, being able to see what see what the people you're paying money to are doing with their time and making sure they're not slacking off. They've got to count how many uh, lines of code you've written each day, <laughs> haven't they? <laughs> it's the opposite. If we delete lines of code, we get bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> Just delete it all. Yeah, got no code here. <laughs> well, no code equals no bugs, so I'm, I'd be happy with that. That's true. <laughs> you could deploy it in a jiffy. Yeah, but I find as well being remote that the um, the fear of being found out is actually 
more intense than when you're there in person in person you can kind of almost bluff your way through things more often whereas when you're remote you're entirely judged on your abilities which is terrifying oh that's interesting i would think yeah uh, maybe you're right i was going to say i would think being at work you're uh you've got people always there kind of watching not necessarily watching but at least seeing what you're doing all day long so you probably feel a bit more um intimidated by people walking past whereas if you're at home on your own in front of your computer you can like google stuff and things like that without having to feel like you don't know anything yeah you do have that sort of little bit of comfort that little bubble of comfort around you but i think when you're you can't when you're in an office you can look busy you can't look busy when you're remote unless you actually are busy i don't think yeah that's an i guess there's two sides to that i hadn't thought of it like that myself yeah Mm. but it does bring us to potentially the topic for this episode doesn't it potentially I think it is the topic for this one. <laughs> yes, we've been, we've, been building, we've been building up to this for 10 minutes. <laughs> so, Tom, what's our, what's our question for this week? Well, our question is, have you ever felt like an imposter? Ooh, the uh, dreaded imposter syndrome. That's what we're going to be talking about. It gets, uh, the term gets thrown around quite a lot, I think. Yeah, it's quite meme You see it a lot in tweets, and it pops up all the time, and often comes up in quite serious discussions as well so i think it is something that's worth dedicating a bit of time to yeah yeah i I definitely think so but i think there are a lot of people that use it maybe in the wrong way um and not in the maybe situations where they're not actually imposters so i mean i could say i've got imposter syndrome from starting my new job and not knowing what i'm doing and feeling out of my depth um but you disagree wouldn't you yes i would say that you're you can't be an imposter because you're very it's very open what your position is you are there explicitly as someone new someone fresh into the field yeah so as a as a junior um even though i feel all these things that maybe go along with imposter syndrome um it's probably not the correct thing to call it that it's called being new at something and not knowing what you're doing most of the time (laughs) which i think is a perfectly healthy state to be in and everyone that you're working with will understand and acknowledges that and that's part of the deal yeah so i think i think a lot of people use imposter syndrome in that situation um whereas if you're starting out you don't need to feel like you've got a syndrome you need like you're there to learn you're there to pick up new skills you're there to hopefully take on board what the other people are there for and like you say no one's gonna be thinking or oh, they're an imposter because you're not you, you you're there you're a new person you've got a lot to learn and there's a lot you don't know but that's why you're there to pick up that knowledge yeah, I completely agree. But now, so now we've decided what imposter syndrome isn't. What do you? What would you think it is? I would. Uh, I don't know. In that situation, maybe it's if I now sold myself as a not a junior. If I sold myself as a software engineer and went into a job as a software engineer, I would definitely feel like I was an imposter, or went into a job maybe where I'm like a company that's not a software company but is but i am the tech person i would probably feel like an imposter there because i'd think oh i don't actually um feel like i've uh, got the skills necessary i think a lot of it is people it's the like blagging it isn't it you're you're an imposter when you're kind of blagging your way through um stuff that you don't actually know yeah i think that's quite right i think the the point where okay, I can pinpoint an exact occasion where I felt it most acutely in the last 12 months or so. Um, I had a call with a big client of ours and it was just me and their head of design. And this is a sort of massively funded, massive company across the whole world. Um, and they're like 
one of their design directors was it was just me and him talking about design and i have not really thought of myself as a designer for a long time i, I think of myself as a developer who dabbles in ui design um so that was quite like a nervous experience for me um I, it turned out okay it has the story has a happy ending and I, <laughs> afterwards i kind of thought well actually no i do have all this experience i have been working in design for like six years i do kind of half know what i'm talking about particularly when it comes to ui design you have to kind of convince yourself that you know what you're doing but i maybe am not as a whiz at photoshop as he is so that's a core that's a sort of source of source of tension and like where the imposter syndrome comes from i felt like yeah for the entire think- entirety of that phone call at some point he was going to look at me and go you're you're not a designer are you <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the thing, isn't it? You can. It's all right thinking about it afterwards and going, well, no, no, I'm actually, I have got all these skills. But it's being able to, at the time, uh, in that phone call, not be thinking that, isn't it? That's that. That's the, the part of getting over imposter syndrome is that you think, no, you know, I have, I have good reason to be here. I've been hired for a reason. I've got certain skills. I might not be a whiz at Photoshop, but um, I do have skills in other areas. Yeah. Um. I find with developers as well, I get the same. Generally, I'm I'm quite anxious about like being on the phone and talking to people. Generally speaking, um, so yeah, doing a podcast is the obvious line of work for me. Um, <laughs> but but particularly, yeah, I get it with developers. Um, almost, it's a different sensation with developers. But there's there's more danger of being found out. I don't feel like an imposter. I just don't feel like I'm probably as good as they are. That's the sense that I get often um, and i get really nervous before these kind of calls um but then often i find i might so far my experience of having done, done lots of calls with clients and spoken to other developers from other companies quite regularly the like the thing that actually happens at the time is oh no there's technical questions there's things to discuss there's a job to be done and that gets in the way of feeling like i don't have time to sit around and feel oh where is me i mean i'm incompetent you actually just have to do things and then in the end if you do enough things you kind of you feel like you've passed yeah i think i think a lot of it comes from maybe it comes from like the education side of things so i might feel more like an imposter because i haven't gone to university to do a, a degree in computer science in fact i haven't done a degree that's anything to do with <laughs> coding or software engineering particularly i've done an, i've done an, essentially an arts degree um so i think if you feel I know this isn't the case, but I think a lot of it comes from feeling like, oh, I, I, I don't fit in with these people because I've got, I've not got a computer science degree. I don't know the, I don't know my, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but I've not got a science degree, yeah. <laughs> uh, computer science degree. I was, I was going to say, I don't know my bubble sort from my um, merge sort, for example. Um, then that's going to be something that is going to be in your mind. Whereas luckily where I work, um, I think there's one person on my team that's got a computer science degree. Everyone else has kind of come from different ways. There are people that haven't even been to university, but that are still excellent coders and are way better than me. Um, so I think a lot of a lot of that fear has kind of been removed from me because I'm working with these people that are obviously really good at their jobs, um, but don't have that level of education that you would assume that people have in these sorts of jobs. I think that's a sign of the maturity of a team as well. It sounds like you're in a really healthy environment there. And we, uh, our team is the same as well. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily to do with the makeup of like how many people have a computer science degree and how many don't. Because in our team, the majority of 
majority of us do have computer science degrees. I, mean, I don't, so I'm acutely aware of that fact day to day. <laughs> but I think it's a function of experience. The longer people, the longer you are in the industry, the more people you meet who are excellent at what they do and don't have formal education in that form, like you were talking about. It's you you learn with experience to judge people on their merits really you judge by the by the work and how they interact with you and not looking at their cv so much yeah and we've talked about degrees and boot camps and things before um but yeah i think um making sure that you don't feel pressured that you don't feel pressured in an environment where you don't have that computer science degree there, there are skills that you've got that people with a computer science degree don't um that, that's just going to be that's a fact isn't it um, for anyone um you, you're definitely going to pick up a lot of things and we've talked about this before but i'm sure there are people that come out of computer science degree that are not very good coders or programmers or don't know how to survive in like a real world office environment um so even though i didn't have the technical skills i came into this job thinking well i'm i'm a professional i've been a teacher i i know how to go to work every day even though that sounds really silly i think there's a lot of people that maybe come straight out of university even though they've got all this knowledge behind them they don't know how to kind of put it to use effectively yeah they're probably just as equally intimidated by you who are able to function in an office environment like as a fully formed social human being um yeah that's the beauty of the industry isn't it you can it's more important that you are good at what you do than that you have a piece of paper to say that you're good at what you do yeah definitely and there's just there's there's always so many new things that you're never going to having a computer science degree yeah it's going to help you out but learning the newest if that's what you want to do learning the newest javascript framework isn't going to happen at a computer science degree as far as i'm aware um and and then if you can become really good at that then you can move on to other things and it's you kind of you pick up the knowledge that you would have from a computer science degree as you go along i'm sure there are loads of like algorithmic things that you miss out on and maybe the the efficiency of what you do isn't as good but i don't know maybe you flip that on its flip that, flip that on its head and come at it from the other angle and you say that oh actually computer science degree is actually wasting a whole lot of time because so much of it is not used day to day i mean maybe you could say that but <laughs> if you've got the uh yeah, it sounds like you don't think that well, no. <laughs> i would have rather i think i'd have rather done a computer science degree just because that's the way i i like to th- I guess I like to have the knowledge there and then go and do it. But but then you wouldn't um, be the person you are now. If you'd come up through that route, you might have ended up hating it and then spending a few... You might have gone really hard on some particular aspect of CS and got a really nerdy job. And then after after six months, gone, oh, I hate this. I want to go and do something vocational, like teaching. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, uh, I'd tell myself off if I found myself doing that. <laughs> Yeah. I think there's something to be said for the. It's almost like there's a. I don't want to say code. That's completely an inappropriate word. But there's a there's an Argo or a Patois or something that you, the, the custom jargon that you get from having done a computer science degree that is can be almost exclusionary if you're talking to people that don't have that shared vocabulary. And I think it yeah. maybe and maybe it expands beyond just beyond just having a computer science degree and not to maybe. I think probably people who. People who don't have any degree at all maybe feel a level of inferiority, even to people like us who have degrees, but they're just not in the specific field we're in, but we still have a degree. And I think also, I mean, there's a certain like way of interacting with people that maybe you pick up if you're a, a white guy that's gone to private school, as opposed to someone who's come up tough or come up from a kind of minority background and isn't doesn't have the kind of traditional privilege. I think that can instill a certain level of 
like a shared experience with because I quite often I mean we're hiring at the moment and it's hard not to it's hard not to find white guys with beards to do programming um (laughs) (laughs) yeah I guess that's a that is a challenge and that's where you need to is you have to think about whether you're I don't know what are you giving out in your recruitment process what are you giving out in your um is it explicitly clear that you are open for all people i don't know yeah it's I don't a know, very tough tough situation yeah i mean take our company for instance you t- if you turn up and you've got a beard you like beer and you were watching children's tv in the 80s then there's a lot of shared sort of cultural knowledge there there's a lot of crossover that is probably unconsciously going to give you an advantage that someone who is just coming on merit alone doesn't have I mean, you've got to be careful about that with a an employment employment thing you can't just hire people you like you need to hire people who are good at the job as well and then yeah do you actively steer towards people who might suffer more from imposter syndrome <laughs> i don't know and try and encourage that or yeah or just not factor it in and try and get, uh, accept, get everything from a, a purely fact-based level it's really tough i i don't envy the people who have to make those decisions yeah, it, it, it does sound like a particularly uh, challenging thing to do is hiring people for your company when you've only seen them for a few hours, perhaps. Um, but I think I think it is really important to make sure that you take the time and get the right people on board because you start getting maybe you get a few guys with white guys with beards, as you say, um, but you, you would hope that the people that you hire don't like don't think of themselves as a white guy with a beard but just as a as a person and then Absolutely. Yeah. people coming in people coming in won't necessarily they might look like that but then you would hope that like if you spend a day with the company then the way people talk to each other and discuss things with each other is not something it's not something where you have to have grown up in the 80s or know certain things but just because you can just get on with each other yeah it's a real risk though because every it, it just takes maybe two or three people with a depth of shared experience and then you run the risk of excluding other people in the team who maybe will feel a little less part of the gang so to speak um and then that that's that's a breeding that's a ripe breeding ground for imposter syndrome i feel like um because suddenly you're not you don't have the shorthand you don't have the secret passwords to to make everybody laugh and to get into a certain situation um yeah but i think this is a I don't know, not something that we shouldn't talk about, but something we should talk about knowing that both of us <laughs> yeah. are white, middle-aged guys, essentially now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not, not quite middle-aged, but... <laughs> yeah, you've got, you've got age on your side. Yeah, I'm just youngish. Yeah, I think when we start doing some interviews, we'll get some uh, different voices on, for sure. So maybe it might be a good idea to think of like some tech or tips that me or you more perhaps uh have for getting over maybe not just imposter syndrome but feeling like you maybe don't belong or you don't have the right knowledge so like you would like uh so like when you were talking about that phone call afterwards you kind of gave yourself a little pep talk it sounded like and said yeah tom you're actually great at design don't worry about things (laughs) yeah it's hard Um, to not fall into sort of motivational speaking territory and like oh yes what you need to do is find your inner self and yeah it's hard to not get too wishy-washy about it um but there is a certain sense that you just have to believe in yourself if you've got a job you did not find you did not just stumble into that job people had to examine you quite thoroughly all tech jobs i think um it's not you can't just walk into that kind of job if you're there you've earned it um 
I don't know. I think the problem with that is a lot of the time you might think, oh, they didn't actually know. Like I, I had some of these feelings when I was doing the recruitment process. I went, oh, I did do the, uh, I mean, I did do the uh, tech challenge, but I did do a lot of Googling and maybe I felt like um, I'm kind of got through, I just uh, talked my way through the interview and now I'm here, I kind of, I'm struggling a lot and I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, that's going to be ripe for imposture syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, true. But then I think oh, that ties into what I was going to say next anyway, which is that, well, the best antidote to it is to listen to other people in your industry talking about it because they, I mean, that's what I found most useful is realizing that like almost everyone I speak to feels this way. And that I think generally speaking, the ones that don't, you don't want to know them. <laughs> they're, they're a bit weird. Um, yeah. But, oh yeah, and in the, the, around the Googling things and doing test things, uh, feeling like you're cheating doing tests by looking up the results and stack overflowing and Googling and what have you. Um, you spend long enough in the industry, you realize that everyone does that all the time. And that's almost like an instinctive thing. And you don't need to feel bad about it because everyone, literally everyone does it. And that's that's what the job is to a certain degree. Yeah, and I think that link, it, this links back to um, what we were saying at the beginning about how imposter syndrome is such a widely used term that... Uh, I mean, there's only going to be one reason that it's that widely used, isn't there? Is that there are a lot of people experiencing it. People aren't, wouldn't be talking about it if it's something they're not experiencing. Um, and it sounds like a lot of people go through that and uh, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, but yeah, I would say everyone, I agree with you. I think most, the majority of people probably feel a bit of an imposter in certain situations. Um, so for example, I might, I might not have knowledge. So if I'm, pairing on some code i might feel like i'm kind of out of my depth a bit of an imposter but then if we go into a meeting and we're talking about something that i'm going to have those skills from my teaching where i'm kind of better in front of talking in front of people um so there's there's i think everyone gets will have that just from different perspectives yeah that's really good to know um yeah it's a good thing to keep in mind that you have your own set of skills that are unique to you and you're bound and just by the nature of how teams work you're bound to have areas that you're stronger and areas that you're weaker and if you're in a good team then you'll be you'll have complementary skills to those around you it just reminded me hearing you talk about that and um people people feeling better like one of where i feel it most acutely is keyboard shortcuts if someone turns up and they know a keyboard shortcut i don't know I'm like, oh my god this is a real developer uh -huh. and the other one where you actually have an advantage now is vim as well even though i know i could probably probably should learn it and probably could learn it i haven't learned it and every time i see someone using vim i feel like a bit less of a developer than they are but you don't need to <laughs> because uh i mean on my team three of us use vim and what there's a one uh one person uses emacs so if you know oh, emacs um, or vim tom you'll be fine no, no. i'm joking of course <laughs> like you don't need to know i mean whatever works for you yes it sounds Cody and all that and sounds like you're part of the matrix when well looks like you're part of the matrix when you're typing away but it doesn't really th things like that don't really matter what matters is kind of your mindset and how much effort you're putting in I think it's much worse to not be trying than not actually know stuff like if you don't know a lot of things but you're actually you're putting in the effort you're putting in the time you're you're asking questions you're trying that's that's so much better than someone who knows a lot but just is lazy and can't be bothered oh yeah there's a massive difference between ignorance and incompetence isn't there um there's no 
shame and ignorance because you can fix that. You can learn and you can get better. Um, one thing I saw, though, that was really cut to the heart of me and made me question everything was <laughs> the idea of meta-imposter syndrome. So it's all well and good saying that, oh, yeah, everyone feels it, so that's that's of some comfort. But, I mean, I... I saw it expressed so well that I've actually gone back and dug up a tweet that I saw in June this year um, by a guy called uh, Martin Shelton, and we'll put this in the show notes, but it's uh, talking about meta-imposter syndrome and saying that that's, uh, that's when you know a lot of people have imposter syndrome, but you've seen firsthand how competent they are. So they're not like you, the real imposter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that really, oh, that stuck with me, that one. That cuts <laughs> deep, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel seen. Yeah, really do. Really, really do. <laughs> I thought it's going to be, I look around and all everyone's saying about how they've got imposter syndrome, but I've not got imposter syndrome, so I must be an imposter. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, that's kind of reverse, isn't it? That's kind of, you're getting into Dunning-Kruger yeah. territory now. Yeah, Anti-imposter syndrome. There's a syndrome for everything. So while we may not have the answers to uh, all imposter syndrome, I think one something that's really important to take away is that there are a lot of people out there that will be in a similar situation. Yeah, talk about it. I think that's helpful. I think talk with talk with your colleagues, talk online. You do it anonymously if you like on Reddit or Twitter or whatever. Um, well, the I'm more sure the more people that talk about it, the the less of a thing it will be ah, I don't know maybe that's wrong I was going to say the more people talk about it the less like, of a big thing it will become because everyone's talking about it but yeah. then it may um, may become more of a thing because so many people are talking about it yeah and is it just is it just validating a kind of sense of entitled you're like oh you're so concerned in your own feelings that you just what you need to do is just man up and get on with it and, and do some work and learn and get better um, but you can put a label on it and go oh no I've got imposter syndrome that's why I'm feeling like this um I don't know. Uh, part of me wants part of me wants to just grab myself by the lapels and give me a good shake, um, and just say, "Learn, be be better." <laughs> but I don't. I don't know that that's constructive advice. I think, generally speaking, people feel it. People feel imposter syndrome because they don't maybe feel like they know as much as they can. But then it can also be a, it can be a positive because that is the impetus to learn more, and that's the driving. If it's it would be a shame for the driving force between behind learning new things to be that. Uh, something that's uh, essentially a negative emotion but what comes out of it is that you learn more and you get better faster than you would if you didn't have that driving force i certainly find so there are there is positives that come out of it yeah and i think there's that that other type of imposter syndrome that you were talking about earlier where maybe you don't feel like you necessarily you might know loads of stuff but you don't feel like you fit in with the people you work with i don't know if that's imposter syndrome but you feel i think part of it is feeling like you're not part of that part of the gang you said earlier didn't you Mm. but um that's that's probably a tougher one to get over than maybe not having the knowledge i would say yeah oh absolutely yeah that's the i don't i don't have an answer for that to be honest (laughs) i I don't know (laughs) i think maybe the answer is like the advice that we should give is to not to the person suffering from imposter syndrome but people who are around them who work with them every day and it's to be aware that people do feel imposter syndrome and when you're dealing with people just be nice. I mean, we say this a lot on the podcast, but it's very easy to belittle someone who you maybe don't think knows as much as you. And it's easy to jump on opportunities and uh, to show someone up and show gaps in people's knowledge. But if your instinct is to err away from that and to be positive and encouraging all, all the time, that's a much better way to be and will help other people in your team feel better about themselves, whether they've got imposter syndrome or not. 
people will just be it will just be a nicer place to work and then by proxy you end up being you end up working in a nicer place so you benefit as well yeah there you go people people of podcast listener land be nice thank you very much for listening this week make sure you're checking us out on twitter at aqo code and you can find us online we have a website i'm not going to tell it to you you can find it out yourself you work on the internet it's fine it's aqoc.dev too easy going too easy on them this was a chance to stomp on people's lack of knowledge we could have like really like ended our imposter syndrome episode by giving people imposter syndrome about not knowing how to use the internet wow okay so (laughs) on moving swiftly on um Thank you for listening. Make sure you're telling your friends about the podcast and make sure you're subscribing so you can follow along in my journey. A bit selfish, but do it. Well, um, it's an interesting journey. I think we've, we've documented a good a good thing so far and long may it continue. Yeah. If you're jumping in now, go back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go and listen to all of them. Download them, um, even if you don't listen. Um, but I would specifically like to say thank you to the people that uh, did write in and suggest things for us to talk about. This imposter syndrome has come directly from that, from people suggesting it. And also, we're we're aware of our limitations and our blind spots. So if you're listening to this and there's an aspect that you disagree with or you think there's something we've missed, please let us know and we will we will follow up. We do really appreciate all the all the feedback that we get. And with that, I think we'll say goodbye. See ya. Bye bye.